Hey everybody, this is Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor, and on today's episode of Sports Beat KC, we talk about the inside linebackers, Eric Berry's health, and I talk to Bengals beat writer from ESPN.com, Katherine Terrell. everybody we are live at the chiefs practice facility on a thursday afternoon where we are being very serious and very grown up uh we have googlebox vahe Gregorian on this side of me and googlebox number two blair kirkoff on the other side of me who is back from behind the camera you guys begged for him and now he's here and then we've got lynn worthy over here the straight in the yellow i love it it's like it's like summer right now. Um, I can't use my words. Um, We are coming to you on a Thursday afternoon, which I think may be a shift that we do more often by doing it on Thursdays. Thanks for moving that. I was definitely going to knock that over. Um, We get a chance to kind of get our week going a little bit, get some more information from the Chiefs so we can then go ahead and preview the Sunday game with the most accurate information that we have. This Sunday, the Chiefs are going to play the Bengals in Arrowhead, another Sunday night football game to make sure that you're just super, super tired Monday morning for work. Um, so thank the Chiefs for being really good for that. Um, but I'm excited. I've heard from everyone that it's going to be an electric atmosphere. There's going to be a whole lot of tailgating that's happening. Uh, but we should probably talk about what's actually going to be happening in that game. Uh, and let's start off with Blair. Today you were in Bob Sutton's press conference, and the first question asked was, hey, Bob, what's going on with those inside linebackers? So what is going on with those inside linebackers? They're not playing good. Uh, apparently not playing too well. Uh, we're talking about Anthony Hitchens and, and Reggie Raglan. And, you know, coming into the season, we thought that was a strength. If you know, not a, I don't know if a strength, but th- that was a position of non-concern. Right. They, they'd right. addressed the problem. Right. The, the problem with right. run defense. They were going to stop that run. Stop yeah. that run, in the, in the words of Reggie Raglan. We think that's what he said. We're still not yeah. sure. Uh they have done anything but stop the run, the pass, and all the other responsibilities that the inside linebackers have. And I, you know, we're, I'm going to do it for a story tomorrow. But I, I, there's, there just seems to be a lot of hesitation with with Anthony Hitchens on the field. And I go back to the, the game on uh, the Sunday night game with the Patriots, and my one of my lasting images of that game is Reggie Ragland just getting trucked. Looked like he was in position to make a tackle. Was it White? I can't remember who it was. I, I think it was the um, oh, what's his who name? It was James, the, the the third guy who came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, White. Uh, well, no, I, oh no, no um, I, I'm probably messing up his first name, but the, it was like 28 or 38 or uh, I forget the number. I think that's who it was. Well, he, Sony Michelle. Nope. nope. No. I think it was the other one. Uh, <laughs> the one that we can't remember his yes. name. Just, right, just type, that watch guy. Reggie Ragland. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he was covered in Crisco, the way Reggie Ragland Ooh. just kind of fell yeah, off Yeah, just, just stay, uh, like I said, in position to make it the tackle, and, and, and then all of a sudden he was, he, Ragland was on the ground, the running back was by him. I thought, what in the, did he get hurt? What, what happened on What in the same hill is going on? So uh, Bob Sutton did address it, and he, you know, obviously you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to get answers from the defensive coordinator specifically about uh, issue problems with with players, but the fact that it was it was asked and, and discussed today, uh, I, I thought was interesting enough to, to write about, and we'll we'll say something about it tomorrow. I think I think for the most part, we're talking about Hitchens being a little hes- hes- hesitant on the field mm-hmm. um, and and not being where he 
you know, needs to be when he needs to be there. And Ranglin, I just don't know. I just don't get it. He had Ranglin was good the second half of last season. He just hasn't played well at all this year. He yeah. hasn't. And, and yeah. for, to his credit, though, he is owning it after the games. I mean, nobody is is being is taught is using. I, I can't use my own words. He's being really forceful when he talks about it. He's coming out with really strong stances, like I've got to get better. We've got to get better. And there's no. I mean, he's owning the fact that he has not played well. And I think that. To his credit, that's something that some guys in that position would just, you know, kind of brush to the side and not own it. But he, he has done that. Well, you know, key to this whole point is I appreciate him doing that, as, as we should. But it, it starts with the very question that Bob Sutton was asked first today, I guess, with, and, and something we've been sort of talking about all along. We asked Bob Sutton about it in the last couple of weeks. How do you get these guys to play better? Um, and, look, we, we all know there's the, you know, Fire, fire Bob Sutton movement, and, and okay, that's fine. The defense stinks, and that he's ultimately responsible. But I do believe that the question we're seeing, um, I think most identifiably problematic, is they're not good enough. Now, I've seen, we can think of probably 25, 30 plays that are quite absolutely on the player to make. I mean, whether it's Hitchens being dragged in the end zone in Denver or you know, 37-yard uh, um, penalty for, for pass interference. Or, I mean, we've seen that over and over again. I mean, okay, some degree it's technique, some degree it's, it's scheme, but the, the most obvious part of this is that the two inside linebackers not, not tackling people. Or as one of us pointed out the, the other night, this is really true with Hitchens. He's getting a lot of tackles, but most of the time it's, they're, they're getting a little yak on them. Well, yak and and he's making contact five yards, six yards right. down the field. You know, he he'll he'll get into a space farther back than you'd expect him to get into that gap or space, and and then get get you know make, he makes the tackle, but all of a sudden it's second and four. You know, and, and instead of second and eight. So just just the actual point I really wanted to make before I rambled about nothing is is can, these are seasoned pros who've got a track record. Can we? Two things. Can we expect them to get better during the course of a season? Ought we to expect that? Well, Is it possible? Only in that every time we talk about this, every time coaches and players talk about it, they, 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 they explore the idea of you know, getting used to each other and communicating better. And that, that was, again, you know, an issue today. I talked about it again today. Um, that there, you know, Raglan didn't have much of a preseason because of the knee injury, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, it, like last year, he was slow to get started recovering from uh, from the injury that kept him out his rookie year in Buffalo. So there could be something to that. And look, uh, they're, but they're playing another good offense this week, and that's and this, it's also true that they in in the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Patriots, especially. Playing Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and, and, and Tom Brady led offenses, good offenses, and that that has to be uh, expressed as well. Yeah. And, and and Andy Dalton and AJ Green and this Cincinnati Bengals offense is another really good offense. Uh, the second half of the season that changes a little bit for the Chiefs, and we'll see. I, I don't think the Chiefs are prepared to not go with those two. Uh, right. I think they're going to ride Raglan and Hitchens and look for them to improve and. Um, uh, Terrence Smith, I guess we'll, maybe, we'll see a little, maybe a little bit more of him. I know a lot of people have asked him about Ben Neiman. Is Neiman ever going to play? I, that I, I can't tell you. And, you know, the other thing is, too, this Bengals offense is one of the worst rushing offenses in the league. They have Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon, 
both guys, ironically, who I covered in college. Just so say, it, yeah. this yeah. is the Brooke Pryor Bengals. Schools, yeah. Yes, they are. I will never forget Gio Bernard, uh, the punt return for a touchdown against NC State. That was my 21st birthday. So it's <laughs> really a miracle that I remember that. Um, but <laughs> well, that happened anyway, before you celebrated the 21st birthday. Yeah, so. absolutely. They definitely don't wink, serve alcohol in wink, that stadium. Wink, wink. Uh, and then Joe Mixon, of course, I saw the last two years at OU, or the last one of my, my first year at OU. Um, but they only average 89 yards a game rushing. Granted, a lot of that has been because Joe Mixon has been out with this midseason knee surgery that he had coming into this weekend. He'll be playing in his third game back. Um, and he's a really dangerous running back. He's a guy that not only runs the ball really well, but he can he can also be a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, and he's just a really dynamic threat that I think this team could have some trouble with. But then again, if someone asked me in my Twitter Q and A, which you know which which Bengals guy is going to end up looking like an All Pro running back, and you know <laughs> Joe Mixon could be that guy this week. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say for me, it's just a matter of. Um consistency is the thing that I think just sort of bothers me the most when I look at it is because you see guys, whether it's Ragland, Hitchens, or other guys, but particularly them, you see them make plays at times, but then other times just not in the spot or not getting off blocks or getting off blocks late. And so it's, you know, I I think that's probably the more frustrating part where it was just like, okay, a guy can't play. But the fact that you do see the plays and then other times you just don't see them is the part that's like, well, you know, and it gets people looking for answers like, you know, the folks on Twitter want to see, you know, uh, whether it's Dorian O'Daniel or Ben Neiman or all these people just because they haven't seen them as though that's yeah. going to make a difference. <laughs> but um, it's it's the fact that you see it sometimes and you don't see it enough and you don't see it, uh, you definitely don't see it all the time is the, fact that the part that makes it so frustrating in terms of what do you do to fix it. And Jordan wants to know, can we assign a percentage to the problem? How much of this is a player problem and how much of this is a Bob Sutton problem? Well, I've seen it suggested um, by, uh, by analysts that, um, uh, that Sutton's defense can be complicated. And there, there's just a lot of learning that has to happen. And Hitchens is new. Uh, it took Raglan about a half a season to get comfortable in it last year. And he did play pretty well in the second he, half he did. of last year. Well enough that you felt... Um, Pretty Confident good, that that, that was season, right. that was yeah clogged up and safe right. and good. But Hitchens is you know he's an important guy. He doesn't come off the field. The um, you know, he's got the green dot and and you know his pass coverage hasn't been good and, um, and like I said he he doesn't seem to be in a position often to uh, to, to make the the run stopping tackle that you expect. So I, I do think some of it is scheme. A bit of it is scheme and 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 Hitchens especially getting used to. What, uh, what Bob Sutton and this chief defense uh, expect of him. Mentioning this scheme, Jordan also wants to know, is a move to a 4-3 defense on the horizon? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. No, certainly not. It seems not. like one of those overhaulish kind of things that you don't do mid-season. I mean, the defense right. is bad, I, I think, but I think but that that would make it worse. I, I also think that if Eric Berry were playing, if Justin Houston were playing, um, if, if you had your top line guys in there, it, it wouldn't be as obvious. Uh, it right. Would, it wouldn't be. It would be happening. It would be obvious because it wouldn't be happening. Right. Each thing changes the dynamic. Right. That's that's the thing. And I, I always refer to the Sam line about injuries, the ballot or the loser, whatever you want to call it. But we've got legitimate reason to think Justin Houston's back soonish. Right? Is that what, what, he, has, what, he didn't what, practice this week. What, what so I mean, I'm not, not anticipating him this week, but but, <laughs> yeah, but no, within a couple today. weeks, right? And I I still I don't know what we're supposed to say about Eric Berry anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't. But I I guess I still feel like um, the back half of the season is what they're aiming for, 
and um, better then than now. Anybody have a new theory on Eric Berry? I heard another one. I can't remember when we did we talk about it in the Facebook Live, or I can't remember if it was a radio conversation about how maybe they were saving him. Was that what Sam said? Saving him for the back half of the season, letting him figure out when he was good to go. That's I Sam's like contention that's, that's in print yeah. the other day. I'll, I'll Let me just that. borrow Sam's idea as my own. I thought it was great. Well, I, I, I didn't even <laughs> try to attribute it. I just, <laughs> I just absolutely stole it. But I'll add to that to, to say, um, you, know, you and I, Vahe, have been around for the playoff losses the last few years. And each time they seem to be missing a pretty critical defensive component in, in the game for, for injury. Barry last year, Houston against the Patriots in, in 15, and uh, they, they're banged up, they're, they're shorthanded. Most teams are, but for the Chiefs, it just seems to be a critical defensive player in the playoffs. I think we've established that this team's going to be able to win games with, with, without Houston, without Barry, um, and, and going forward. And maybe this, this whole thing is going to be, let's go to the postseason as healthy as we possibly can. And, and that would be that could be having Barry sit till week fourteen, you know, fifteen, mm-hmm. something like that. Give him a couple games to get his game speed back. Um, perhaps I, I don't know. What's What's really interesting about what you're saying to me is to what degree these conversations are being had behind the scenes, and to what degree it's just we don't I mean, know. Wild speculation. Yeah, just kind of wild. But, you know, <laughs> very but, wild. But, but the fact that he doesn't play week to week, and we get the same, you know, making progress, you know, day, day, day to day, 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 day literally day to day, literally, yeah, that it, it allows the imagination to run. Well, it does, it does, and look, actually, if, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm thinking, I, I want to know they're having those kind of talks and thinking that way, I, I'm not really sure why they wouldn't be willing to talk about that publicly, except for they just don't want to share anything. But, I mean, wouldn't it be nice to hear Andy say, you know, yeah, we just feel like if we're going to get to Atlanta, where Eric's from, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> this is the chance to do it. That's and our best chance. So we, Help yeah. us stop speculating, because that's what we all think anyway. Just <laughs> yeah, and go we ahead want and you to help it. us stop speculating. Yeah, well, Only you can stop speculation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess my the, the thing that keeps coming back more and more in my head is just that if this is one of those, okay, we're going to wait to get them as healthy as possible or, um, you know, we're trying to aim towards a certain part of the year. I mean, it's been over a year, and I don't really hear many people talking about how good is he going to be when he gets back after out all that time. I mean, what if he comes back and he's not what he was, he's not that much better than what you have out there, and you're just sort of taking for granted that he's going to come back in there and change everything. I mean, going into the season, thinking that he was healthy and he was going to be back, I thought, okay, he's going to be an upgrade. But now it's like, well, if he comes in midseason, just for one, we don't know how healthy he's going to be, if he's going to be, if he's going to look different. And then two, guys have to get used to playing with him again. And he hasn't played with a lot of this secondary because it's, I mean, Parker came back, so it's not an entirely new group. But we don't know what that's going to look like. We're just sort of taking for granted he's going to come back and make that defense better. What if he doesn't? Mm-hmm. I find it interesting, though, that when we when we see some practice, the the little practice time that we get, especially when we're indoors and we go up into the uh, indoor practice facility, how he's Coach Barry. You know, he's mm-hmm. there. You know, next to you know Al Harris and Emma Thomas, and um, he's right there talking. You know, talking to the guys, and um, he is he is as involved as a injured player can be during a practice. I think that's his way of uh, showing that you know, he still cares, he wants to be there, 
Um, he, he's doing every, he is doing what he can to, to help this team along. And, you know, you're right. He, he, would, he, he would be playing with some new guys, and we don't know the extent uh, to which he would be healthy or, or, or effective when he comes back. But I got to tell you, he, you know, just watching this guy play, you know, it's, it's only been off and on, but for the last four years, five years, um, he, he's a special player. My, my thought is kind of a fusion of both what you guys are saying, right? You can't assume he's going to be the same speed, but you can assume the same instinct and same fire and same, and this is sort of the intangible, but it, but it matters, the same impact on his teammates. Now, I realize that doesn't make up for getting burned by a step on a, you know, a, a post or, but, but it, it, I think no matter what, the overall impact will still be substantial. I, I just do. Um, now, I, I, what I would project would be he's back for a game and, the, and you see the rust in that game. And then by game two or three, he's about what he is. But, of course, we don't even fully know the nature of the injury, so we don't know how it's going to affect no. his speed. It's a really bizarre situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the other question. How likely are we to see at the end of the season both Eric Berry and Daniel Sorensen on the field together? Is that on the table? I think it is on the table. Yeah, I do. I do. I, do. Mm-hmm. I, do. I think Sorensen for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm questioning <laughs> more and more every week that we're going to see Barry. Which is crazy yeah. that after that injury no. that Sorensen had at the beginning of, in, in training camp that we're now talking about him Ahead of, coming back yeah. before your yeah. Andy, Andy gave an answer on, on this yesterday, and, and I, don't, I don't really recall his words, but he was asked specifically about <laughs> yeah. Sorensen. He may have just done a yeah, – well, you know, he he's that, getting better. Well, he <laughs> said this – he said not, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't likely see him this week, but – he was getting close, of course, because of <laughs> the comments about Eric Berry being close. Because yeah. I think even I tweeted it, I put close in, in quotes because of the, all the Eric Berry stuff that, you know, you can't really take close as meaning much right now. <laughs> under, yeah. under NCAA rule, under NFL. <laughs> uh, he's eligible to return to practice right. because of his, uh, his IR status. And we've seen him more often in the last week we than we had previously. I mean, he was walking around the the locker room in the practice field, and I literally didn't know who he was. It took me a second to be like, oh, yeah, there is another safety who we haven't seen or talked about. Just That's interesting you say that, around. by the way. I, I don't recall seeing him since the injury. Has he been rehabbing off-site? No. no well, I think we just don't here. see him in the, locker, in the room yeah. or wherever there. He's I, been in the locker room. I just haven't seen him. And I'm sure he's been working out. Yeah, I think he's been here. I mean, I, I, I want to say there was one day when we went upstairs that you will cut through that like cafeteria, and he was in there. Okay. I mean, you know, obviously, he's just been yeah. I think so. I think he's been around. Maybe he's been doing his stuff early. But I remember there was one time a couple of weeks back that I would cut through. And I was like, wait a minute, is that? And it was him. He was sitting in there. So he's been around. It's just and, and, well, look. Also, whatever schedule he's on rehabbing has has absolutely nothing to do with, or nor should it, with time that we're in the locker room. Right. I mean, in fact, I would guess that you know, they may be specifically keep him out of it. Maybe, but he's certainly not going to be available to us even if he is. Right. And, and that's, you know, we understand that. It's just, yeah. You know, and, but back to your point real quick, Blair, about Eric Barry being omnipresent. He hasn't left. He's fully engaged with the team is how I see it. Last year, this is, you know, a faint uh, ray of optimism, but last year he was, you know, in full rehab mode. There were, Seems to me, I could be remembering wrong, but he was gone for weeks at a time, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, "Oh, Barry's here." Well, it's not like that now. Um, again, that might be just a slight glimmer of hope, but it's 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 as if he is part of everything, including the the pregame, pre-game huddle. The pregame. He's huddle. always the guy at the center of it. He's always the one that's saying right. the last thing before they go off the field mm-hmm. to get ready to then come back out. Yep. yep. 
Well, while we're still talking about defense, uh, Andrew wants to know our thoughts on Justin Houston, is he done? D. Ford, is he the future? Passigno, is he getting it? And Breland Speaks, is there promise? Anybody want to take a crack at any four of those? Well, one quick thing. We'd be talking about Breland Speaks differently right now if he just held on to Brady there, <laughs> right? And he literally in the well, grasp. And he also had another a uh, meaningful play there. Well, no, I, I think was, you've been kind of a Breland guy. Well, I was going to say just to, I mean, I don't know if we'd really be talking about that differently just because that play was going to get wiped out. But well, that's, that's true. <laughs> so, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I also, if we took, if we watched the replay of the, it was the Tom Brady touchdown run, right? Um, Speaks didn't, I don't think he was ever in a position to bring him down. I think, and, and then when he was behind him, he had a bad angle to try to get him again. I I could be totally wrong about that, but I remember watching the replay and thinking, well, Speaks had him for a second. Brady's Brady's an athlete himself. He was able to get away, and then he realized nobody was in front of him, went the three yards for the for the touchdown. I, I, th- I, I just think the whole thing's been mischaracterized. I, I don't think Speaks let go because... Even though we said it after the game that, yeah. that he was afraid, maybe he just decided he let go. Like I, no, I just didn't see it that way. I, I, maybe I'm, I'm the only one who didn't see it that well, way. Well, look, the bigger question really is his development. How are you? How are you all feeling about about that? I think it. I mean, look, it, he's a young player. I think he and, looked a lot better this game yeah. than he had in the previous ones. The the last sack, miss sack, whatever aside. Are we judging first and second year people a little too fast at times? Yeah. Listen, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, yes. but other NFL teams play their first well, and second-year guys, and, and, and they, uh, they're and effective. There's and, a quarterback here who seems to be getting seems it down, okay? okay. Right. Guy, so you know. if he can't, why can't everybody else? But each position is different, right? Each right. position is absolutely its own challenge, and, and the dynamics of it are, are all, all over the map. But anyway, I don't want to just give a free pass, but, I, but I, I, don't, I don't think there's any final judgments to be made about this. I don't think, by the way, to his first point there, I— I don't, I don't no, think Houston's don't think done, Houston's done. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I, no. um, I did feel a little alarmed, though, when, when Andy, when the injury first came up, and Andy immediately actually made it sound kind of dire, like it's going to be a couple of weeks. Like normally Andy's like, you know, he'll uh, be back. Yeah, he'll yeah. be back soon. And it's yeah. like, oh, my, a stretch. couple of weeks. Yeah. That makes you think it's going to be three years. I well, mean, he, they immediately right. start talking about it, too. Like, oh, Brett Veach is already looking at other outside linebackers to bring in. And they bring in two. What is this information? You know, why right, are we? Right. Why are we getting this? This must yeah. spell gloom and doom. And have we seen Justin Houston? I haven't, seen him. I haven't um, seen him. In the he was on the sideline because I remember seeing. Oh, oh he was. was yeah, I was but I haven't seen him this week. I haven't seen him. Um, shoot, I'm trying to remember what day was that. There was a day when I, I thought I saw him, but I don't remember when that was. And it was it was a quick, you know. And of course, he wasn't available to speak to anybody, but. Um, but I, th- I thought there was, but I know he was on the sideline. I just remember from you know the broadcast that they were showing shots of him on the sideline. Wow. I, I know the Chiefs felt pretty good about the position group when when they cut to fifty three because they only kept four, only four. Mm-hmm. the four that the four that he were mentioned, and they'd always kept five before five inside guys, five outside guys, and they went with four this time. And I think they just felt you know with Ford and, and Houston's your starters, and then the idea was going to play. Speaks and passing you know, maybe more and have it more of a rotation than a first team, second team. And um, look, defense has been bad all around this, this year. The the stats bear it out. There's just no denying that they're on NFL record pace for <laughs> yards surrendered in a year. But but Bob Sutton made this point today, and I I don't disagree with it that they 
they probably affected the quarterback more than we give them credit for that. And mm-hmm. They do have I – don't, I don't know what their sack total is, but um, – uh, but and I think it's not. I can't remember the number. I usually bring that stat sheet in. They're not great. They're not. They're not. They're not right. bad. I want to say I checked on Pro Football Focus, and the pass rush was like number four. I think. Oh, is that right? I believe. I'm. They, they is that a pressure gauge? Yeah. So to speak? Let's see. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. D. Ford was at one point yeah. leading edge rushers, ranking all thirty-two mm-hmm. NFL teams' pass rush units. Number five, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they're getting. Total team press pressure percentage, thirty five percent. Presser pressure percentage when blitzing, fifty six percent. Top pass rusher is D Ford. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's that, that ranking is based a lot on what D Ford's mm-hmm. accomplished this year. He's having a good D Ford's year. the entire pass rush, right? So. Well, that's right. And, and, and well, I mean, there's been um, was it Bailey's had was he have five four sacks? Yeah, Already in his career highs, like five. So, I mean, you've had a few guys. Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Yeah. 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 Chris Jones has been huge. And as our friend Therese always says, you know, the contract year is undefeated, and this is a contract (laughs) year for D. Ford. He's going to get paid if he keeps it up. And he's absolutely going to get paid with this. He seems to be playing through injury, too. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. So, he's he's having a whale of a year. Yeah. And, by the way, we've had a couple people ask why Eric Berry was not put on IR. And I think – we talked about this a little bit Sunday. I don't remember if we did it on camera or, or it was one of our discussions off of it, but the general consensus was when Sorensen started off the year on IR, you can only bring two guys back from it. You hope that the, the prognosis is that Sorensen can come back. Well, you don't want to put Eric Berry on there if he's going to be the other guy that comes back because that leaves you no wiggle room for in-season injuries. Mm-hmm. And they've already had quite a few, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Armani Watts, um, Mitch Morse now. Mitch Morse now, but he's not on IR no, at least. No, no, no. But those Armani Watson, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, I don't know if either one of those guys will come back. I mean, Duvernay Tardif, you thought so, but with the complication of the, the ankle right. injury right. included in that, that doesn't sound great. Armani Watts' core muscle injury related to the groin injury, I mean, the core muscle injury is not, that kind of generally spells doom. Yeah, just a quick aside about Mitch. I don't. I guess we've gotten no further updates other than he's in the protocol, mm-hmm. right? But I do worry about him. Um, he, he's he's got a bit of a concussion history, mm-hmm. and look, it's the uh, it's the elephant in the room at all times. And 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 uh, Mitch will come back, but I just at, at what point do these things start accumulating in such a way that? You, you wish he wouldn't, and I, he's like my favorite guy. I don't mean it that way, yeah. but I, mm-hmm. but I, but I'm worried. I'm worried about it. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about the offensive line, earlier this week the Chiefs signed Jeff Allen, the guy who they drafted in 2012. He played here from 2012 to 2015. Was with the Texans for a couple years. Was released. It was an injury thing, right? Correct. And now he is back here. Blair, you talked with him a little bit today. What does his addition bring to this team? Yeah, Lynn and I were there when, uh, when, when he was kind of holding court today. Look, I, I think it's a great call by the Chiefs. A uh, guy who knows the, knows the system, knows the coaches. Uh, once, he gets, once he gets out of his car in the parking lot, knows right where to go and uh, doesn't have to ask for directions once he gets into the building. And uh, He was good. I remember him as a good player. Uh, versatile. A you know, little edge. Yeah, got a little edge yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when he, when, when the Chiefs didn't make an offer for him, uh, I, I was I was disappointed because I thought he was worth. He worth, sounded like he was a little disappointed yeah, too. He was worth bringing back. I thought it was like Dorsey used to say, "He's a chief." Yeah. You know, of course, he said that about Jamal Charles after he caught him. 
but <laughs> but but really, I, I, that's what I felt about him. I'm, yeah. You you wrote a good story about remember about him. He was interesting. He was an interesting guy to talk to and about kind of his his, yeah, his, his origins and background and and uh, he's a colorful guy and he's I think as they say a good guy in the room. And uh, you know, Brooke did a story today. It was a I thought a nimble uh, reaction time. You got the uh, the old. Twice as a coincidence, three times as a trend story mentality when they when <laughs> they when they brought Allen back and you thought about Zombo and Parker coming back mm -hmm. and um, it, it it's true they've done something there and it was also I think smart of you to to bring in some of the other reference points there about how they've got guys coming up they like to have a system here of you know Alex Smith nurturing Patrick mm -hmm. and things like that but maybe the best part of Brooke's story was probably something that never got in print which was what we call share text that we have at the star where you're supposed to <laughs> send this out and uh, what to put atop it when you send it out. And Brooks was, you again? <laughs> Sometimes I get a little snarky right in the share text because I love doing it so much. So that was my little jab at that. But, I mean, yeah, it is, it is a thing. And I wish that I had also mentioned Eric Berry and his, granted, like he isn't being brought back in, but he is mm -hmm. doing that kind of coach-mentor role. Um, in a way that, you know, the, the Chiefs like to do. But Ron Parker has been mentoring Jordan Lucas, Jeff Allen. He has to get caught up and, and up to speed. But maybe he ends up mentoring a guy like Khalil McKenzie, who's, who we've had some questions about, about his development. Maybe that's what Khalil McKenzie has been missing. Um, and then you also have Frank Zombo, who was essentially living the retired life in Michigan, still working yeah. out, but he'd had some other teams say, hey, come work out for us. And he said, no. I know that the Chiefs, when they get an opportunity, will bring me back. And he, I think, will play kind of the same role with some of those linebackers. You know, uh, back to the offensive line for a second. Jeff Allen, I'm pretty sure, won't start this week. But I think he has potential to, to be a starter here. He was a starter here when he left. He was a starter in Houston. But uh, when when Mitch went down, uh, in, I think it was in the second quarter, was mm -hmm. it not, on, on Sunday night? So uh, Andrew Wiley has to step in and play. They moved Jordan Devy to center. Andrew Wiley comes in and plays guard, and this was the first real pro regular season experience. You know, like he told me the other day, he was like you know all preseason. They're all training camp before, <laughs> uh, before that, but he got 32 snaps. And this, you know, look at what the offense did in the second half of, of that yeah. game. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm just not giving credit to the offensive line, but I'm just saying that there wasn't a drop off in the, yeah. in, in the yeah. second half. For, for the Chiefs up in New England. Well, and I think, too, that we, we talked about a little bit about this at, I believe, 3 or 4 a.m., um, about how there also wasn't a drop-off because of Patrick's relationship and friendship with Jordan Devy, who was his yeah. his uh, center during scout team Last the year, year. before. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned Jeff Allen. He could start. Whose job do you think he would end up taking on that line? Well, he, like like all the like all the offensive linemen, he's versatile. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could, he could play guard or, or – um, or, or tackle. I, I would imagine Andrew Wiley would go back to they got Jordan Devy at center, mm -hmm. so uh, I think Jeff Allen would probably go in at, uh, at guard. But we'll see. Um, hey, they may play lights out this weekend. You never know. And, and is, is Jeff going to get snaps this week? Is you that know, the idea? We don't know so, for sure. You know, I, I think if he, I don't know because it's really like a preseason game for him, bit. right? He's yeah, right. He hasn't played yeah. the season. He yeah. had an injury settlement departure from from the Texans, so. Uh, so he's been hurt as well, but yeah. he's, he said he was fine. He says he's back, and the Chiefs wouldn't have signed him otherwise. So um, you know, I, I don't know. Usually, when the offensive lineman, when you're looking at the player partic participation sheets, it always starts with offensive lineman taking 100 percent of the snaps each right. game. You don't shuffle guys in on the offensive line. So um, 
the only, the only way to get in is if, if someone gets hurt. So I think he'd be ready to go if someone did get hurt. But I, I don't expect we'll see him take snaps. Probably not ideal. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and as sexy as it is to talk about the offensive line, let's talk about the <laughs> skill players a little bit. Uh, Aww, can we talk about the offensive line? You know, we them? covered them for like five minutes. If that's if you want more offensive line, read uh, Blair's story when he writes about Jeff Allen later this week. Uh, but <laughs> but Lynn talked about Sammy or talked to Sammy Watkins is going to write about him later and about his changing mentality from when he first entered the league to where he is now. What have you kind of learned from from talking with him? Well, it was interesting because in Buffalo, there were time periods where he literally went to reporters and said, I need to be targeted 10 times. Like, he put out the number 10. Not, mm-hmm. not like more, like 10 is what I need to have. I don't need to have 100 yards a game. And he talked, you know, just even now about, um, or uh, this week, about just how that's been different. Um, how that was sort of an ego thing, how he thought because he was first-round pick, fourth overall, that he was supposed to have these sorts of things and that he needed to have a 1,000 yards. And that's something that he's sort of gotten perspective on, Um, part of it from the time that he was injured and then part of it just last year being part of that Rams offense that put up, you know, ridiculous numbers. And he was a third or fourth receiver in that group. And he, he thinks it's helped him handle the situation he's in now where he's really, you know, third option you know I mean when you look at Kelsey and Tyreek and even you know uh, you know the NFL's leading rusher last year who's had some big pass plays I mean he's third or fourth guy in that mix do we expect at any time you know Andy's had a little tendency to do this I think we could say of course it all we know it all depends on the reads right and but I, I thought Andy there was a bit of a emphasis on Tyreek in the opener, right? I mean, it was... We're gonna, yeah, I'm we're sure gonna, they, they schemed it, game-planned it, yeah. saw something that was they were able to take advantage of. But, of course, it was a pump return and a... Well, that's a, true. The first and then RPO kind of the game, year that yeah. went for 60 yards. And, um, but w- one way or another, it got certainly Tyreek heavy. Um, and it looked, does look like they've tried to... Um, I think I used this term the other day, and nobody knew what it meant, but prime the pump a little with Sammy. You kids, that means back in the day, you know, you couldn't get water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, but you didn't have to pump a well but, to get water. Well, but not before my time. But Blair's a little older. Oh wow! <laughs> um, wow! But but and they have made some kind of effort like that with Sammy at times, right? Mm-hmm. But but I but I do wonder. You know, one of the things Andy will do, it seems to me, is one game you might go heavy on one guy. One game you know it's diversifying. One game he, he's it's a different facet of the offense that's being emphasized. So I. I just wonder if the roulette wheel will just point heavy to Sammy sometime and say, this is what we need to do to really feel like we get this guy going. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric Bieniemy said this today, and I think we've all known it to be true, but to hear him say it, you say, yeah, I guess that's right, that there are no like decoys among receivers here. You know, Everybody's an option when, yeah. when, the, when the play begins. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the numbers bear that out. I mean, the fact that you know, how many? All, every wide receiver except Marcus Kemp has a touchdown reception, right? At least one. That's crazy. Um, everybody's an option on on any play, so you don't have to, you know. I think it was it was asked in terms of somebody was asking about Sammy. Um, does he does he handle if you know if he's not going to be targeted on a play? Does he handle that? Yeah, yeah. I think I had asked about that because I of, thought that was a good yeah, point. You know, I thought it was a really nice point. Yeah, and he talked about yeah, you know he's still doing everything that they want him to do. He's still you know he talked about and it wasn't just him, but I think he talked about all the guys handling not being the the so-called primary option and still running your play hard and how there's not a like you know okay yeah it might be a primary option in this play, but depending on what the defense does. 
that changes, you know, that changes like that, who the primary option is. And then also I think it was BJ mentioned, like, not to mention you got this quarterback running around who that can change everything yes. too on the play, yeah. you know. Exactly. And we've seen that happen this season. So it, it's it's a way for everybody to stay engaged on every play, yeah. right? Yeah. And so if everybody's an option, I think I think we saw in the Steelers game how, you know, it, it had been all Tyreek against the, the, the Chargers. So we go to Pittsburgh and – Boom, different guys getting, uh, you know, they took care of Kelsey, get his, you know, consecutive game catch streak out of the way early. You know, Watkins had, had his reception, uh, Demarcus Robinson had his. So everybody's up and engaged and, and feeling confident about the offense. I, I just think that's, I think it's smart football. Yeah. It's just, it's just smart football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many factors on every, how every play plays out, right? I mean, yep. but I've, I've just seen Andy do different things that way. It is interesting just thinking about Andy. Blair brought this up in a conversation the other day. You know, we'll, we'll write about this soon, probably not till what actually happens, but he's on the cusp of this 200th, mm-hmm. 200th win. And, and um, to what degree the, the rules are contoured in some ways to, you know, the offensive uh, brainiac. But, of course, the offensive brainiac needs his defense to play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he would prefer not to win shootouts. He prefers to win, but if some of these yeah. are not shootouts. I prefer yeah. the shootouts. Give me, give me exciting. You're not going to say that Sunday no, night, Sunday no, 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 no. Deadline. yeah. Deadlines are going to be shot anyway. Noon game. Oh, noon game shootouts yeah. are the best. Yeah, give yeah. me a noon game shootout. Yeah. 7.30 shootouts, not so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm already going to be. If it's a noon game, I'm already not going to leave the stadium until 8 o'clock. Give me something exciting to watch for those hours that we're there. We're paying good money. We're being paid good money. You're neither. <laughs> oh, I like it. You're, you're, you're actually paid. I would pay to do this job, she said. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Please still give me a paycheck. We'll pay good money to be here. <laughs> By the way, we've had a couple people ask, uh, is Derek Johnson coming back? No. no. I don't I believe don't. so. Andy Reid said yesterday, asked about it, he said, I don't believe that's the direction we're going in. But... As, uh, as Brandon mentioned, maybe he could be the linebacker's coach. You know, I think if he's done playing, that is certainly up in the well, air. That's, that's up for debate. It's totally up in the air that way. I hadn't thought about that yet because maybe he's going to refuse to say my career's done. Right, but that's a hard decision for any guy to make. I bet you if we looked around our archives, we would, we would have quotes of Andy saying he's going to be a great coach one yeah, day. We'd true. like him to be a coach here when he's I done. Think, I mm-hmm. think they said that when, when he's when they decided not to uh, resign. Yes, yeah, that's exactly when they said um, it. That's and, right. And, and, and that was one of those de- player departures where, you know, Clark Hunt had his say, yeah, Andy yeah. and Brett Veach, everybody weighed in on that. And uh, But then he went and signed with the Raiders. Signed with the Raiders. And was a captain for the Raiders. Yeah. Captain. I've never he, seen a captain get cut mid-season, by was, the way. He was, Look, I'm just glad we're not going to ever – Ever see him play against the Chiefs right. for, the, for the Raiders? Right, I think that's so that's, that's good for everybody. Sign for somewhere, but <laughs> yeah, but just not for the Raiders. the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders yeah. are kind of hot garbage yeah. right now. So it's true. Sorry if you're no, watching no. John Gruden, but like we're not we're not no, saying no. anything that everybody in the world doesn't know. Um, and we've also had a couple of questions from from Chris and Jordan about what's going on with Nate Orchard. I don't think really anything. He's new. He's yeah, getting he adjusted. Yeah, he didn't get a snap in that last game, but I mean. No. Between Speaks and D Ford and Zombo got some time, but even hit most of his was on special teams. I, mean, right. I think they basically put Breland Speaks out there and just let him play, um, which I think now, you know, we talk about how much time he's gotten. Um, I don't remember the exact total, but I think by now he's also, through the first six games, played more as a rookie than D Ford did his rookie season in terms oh, of defensive snaps. Oh. And this is a guy who's also changing the positions, too. So, um, 
I think they want him to get that experience and for them to get a real read on what he can do. I mean, I think, who is it, Bob Sutton and a couple of defensive coaches when asked about how do you know about a guy, they'll give you, you know, the answer, well, you, you think you know because of this, that, and the other, but you really don't know until you get him out there in yeah. the game. And so I think that's part of what they're doing with Speaks. Okay. I think so, too. Um, and we've, I know Sam's usually our, our guru guy when we talk about trades and what's going to happen and what moves they could make, but there have been lots of questions Peter wants to know what additional picks do we have as leverage to play to trade for defensive players? Is there an extra second round pick? And is for the trillionth time is Patrick Peterson coming here? And if not, who are some other options that we think could be added to this roster? Well, they do have two second round picks. They have a first yeah, and two that, seconds. That's the key one, uh, right? That was yeah. for the Marcus, the Marcus Peters trade. They got a two and a four and sent a Marcus and a six or something like that. I think, I think that's what it was, exactly. What it was. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is some. You know, they do have a chip. You know, they, they, they could play. Uh, and, and by the way, I think it's set up to play it. Yes, I, at I, this I, point. You know, uh, yeah. This could be a Super Bowl team. Yeah. So I guess that's assuming, of course, that the second pick is that second round pick is what teams are after. Because I don't think there's any way they give up a first for a second year in a row. Because last year they went without a first round pick. So I think I'd be astonished. Yeah. So I think if any if that's part of the asking price, I don't think that's I think it's a non-starter because of that. Well, but keep this in mind too. They're they're. Their first-round pick and then their first pick in the second round may be pretty close together um, because they're going to be picking late in the first round, and I don't and, and we don't know what the positions are yet for both of the second-round picks. But um, I mean, the way the season's going, they're going to be picking 29, 30, 31, 32. Yeah, that you know that's a really good point, it, um, and maybe it does affect that, right? You're thinking the difference between yeah. 28 and hey, how many times did the Patriots 39? Yeah, you know, you know yeah, move a guy like so. so I don't know. In terms of who's available, I, 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 you know, Patterson's the one we keep. Mm-hmm. We, he's the name that's most prominent. Uh, what position are we looking at, though? I mean, do, are we looking? They played their fifth and sixth safeties against mm-hmm. the Patriots the other night. I don't think we made enough of that. They played their second and fourth outside linebackers in that game um, because they didn't have Houston in passing yet. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I think they feel they're okay at outside linebacker for now, especially with the acquisition. Secondary, I guess, is what we'd be looking at for. Yeah, well, look, and, although, and, go ahead. I see Jordan Lucas did look really good back there. Granted, he's he was way deep in that depth chart. He was absolutely buried, but I think buried. he did look good. I, I, I thought, thought he, he looked, looked good. really good. I, I, th- I thought so too. But they, they're out. Watts is not playing the rest of the year. No. Did, yeah. and Eric Murray, Mur- came Murray, back, right? Murray practiced this week. Mm-hmm. I think right. he was. I think he was a full participant uh, yesterday, if right. I remember right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, full participant from thing. that ankle thing. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so you'll have at least. Three, right? Because you'll have uh, Parker, Lucas, Murray, and then I think who's the the fourth one? Uh, uh, Watts. Well, well, uh, well, you know, I mean, like, it's healthy that you'll be able. To oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, I Parker mean, at least right. you won't have to. You likely Marcus won't be looking Kemp. at Marcus Kemp. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or, and right. they, they add him. They add, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, that's right. So it's, it's going to be three because McQuay is now. Um, not they, even on. Yeah, he's not. He's not on there anymore. So. They had added him briefly. <laughs> I think one thing you have to ask uh, that has to be asked is if, if they're looking. Well, this was the conversation with um, Earl Thomas. You know, would you trade a second round pick for somebody that you may only have for 10 games? Mm-hmm. Is, is it worth 10 games? And to me, the answer is if you think you're that close, you know. You, you make the Ben Zobras trade, right? Or That's the, exa- the ben exactly. Deal. Or even the Cueto deal, whatever. Cueto deal, with the, which, deal. Which, you know, I realize the parallels are imperfect, but, you know, 
bottom line was, in that instance, the Royals gave up part of their future. Yep. You know, with with good, important and, minor league guys. And then it paid off as yeah as greatly as it could pay off. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it. That's exactly what the situation feels like here because, I mean, you hope that you have this the same. You're able to replicate the same offensive success that they're having this year and the future, but. Who's to say? You don't know, but one thing that is a little different than those Royals, of course, contracts are a whole other matter, but so in which case it will be similar to that, but but there's a little bit of a, more of a window here, isn't there, with, with the, the youth of, yes. I mean, Sammy's the oldest of that, well, Kelsey's the oldest of that group mm-hmm. at 29 or whatever, but Sammy's the oldest of the next set of, you know, emerging, mm-hmm. you know, three-headed monsters, whatever they have, 25. So I think Tyreek is 24, 23. Kareem is 23. Right. Mm-hmm. Patrick's 23. All their so, rookie contracts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But Tyreek will be coming up, and you've got to keep that in mind well, as far as the money. That's, yeah. that's going to be that's gonna cost right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Next year is the year of, you know, that, that they've got to get that figured out. So, I, you know, but I, you're right. You make a good point. I, I do not see a 104 loss season coming for the Chiefs in two years, three years. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't see it. So, yeah, so some of the parallels are just, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> or, uh, or a three and thirteen. Yeah, no, right. They're not trading, they won't be trading the future. Yeah, they, no, I don't think so. But we've been going here for a little bit. Um, we should go ahead and I would say talk about the Bengals game specifically um, in the form of let's do some predictions. Let's do some how we think it's going to happen, uh, and then we can all start writing since that is also what we have to do today. Um, if you'd yes. like, let me start only because I, I'm here representing Sam. The proxy. Has he texted in your, your information? Sam's and not even watching. It's not showing up over here. So. Oh, boy, he's yeah. really been exposed so here. Wow. Thanks for the support. So while you Thanks, break, Sam. While you break a story. Yeah. Um, anyway, Sam says that the Chiefs will win 34-20, to 20, and I think he wanted me to include this part because the Bengals are frauds. He may not have wanted me to include that part. I'm not sure. You're just giving him but bulletin board material. He didn't say off the record. <laughs> so that's 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 what Sam thinks. So I think and I think when I mentioned that to uh, beforehand, there were some surprises about the low score prediction for the Bengals. Um, but if you think they're frauds and, and you think there's room for improvement on this Chiefs defense, well, okay. You remember the last time they played in the regular season, Bengals and Chiefs? I do. Um, for for a couple reasons. For right? a couple reasons, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was. Uh, we know of the no. We always talk about the no punt. I guess it was sort of a no punt game the other day, uh, <laughs> right. just for the Patriots. Oh, but hunter. but that was the, the all, no touchdown no game touch, for the, the Chiefs. All field goal game. Six was it eighteen seven. points? Yeah, seven. seven twenty one. They lost thirty five twenty one. Our, our guy Cairo Country. Cairo Country. Yeah. Uh, that's where they all they could get to was Cairo Country. <laughs> um, they couldn't get any farther into the end zone. Kick seven field goals. Um, and then of course also the thing the wow. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was that that every time the Bengals scored, there was oh no, but they introduced the players, right? right. <laughs> I, That's I took the some, wimpiest meow I've ever heard. I think it's it was about that level. It's always uh, imi- yeah. he's imitating. Did did, did you agree with that? It yeah, was kind of like a, a. And I think I think after a sick cat. Yeah, a little more when it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a home field advantage the Bengals must have. No, they the Chiefs' ass that day. <laughs> Probably because of the secret. It freaks out the other team so much that they just give up. And they're just like, 
Sit Cat Stadium. How about that? I like that. It's an endorsement. 30-31 Chiefs, a lot of touchdowns, one field goal each. So Mark will be similar to your pick last week. With, uh, I think we were all pretty. Copy, paste, we were all within a point, basically. What's that? I said, did you just copy and paste? How do you, how do you not? How do you not pick the Chiefs to score a bunch and give yeah. up a bunch? I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 sounds about right. Yeah. By the way, I'm proud of myself because my pick last week, I believe, was a field goal differential. I think you're right, and that's what yeah. it was. So I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I'll give it a 38-21, Chiefs. Oh, I'm, you're, I'm really, them a, you're really feeling this. Yes, I'm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, payback. Um, we got all stuck on 38 last week, and I'm going to get. I'm going to go and, there. And I like 38. Totally well. missed the hell out of it, right? Uh, I was. We were all pretty good. I, I kind of yeah. felt good about yeah. that. Um, like, and plus the like they say they don't uh, pay us to. To get it right, they just pay us to pick it. <laughs> so, um, if they're still paying us, so, so I, I'm going to flip it and go 38-33. Ooh, Bengals. Right? No, you know a little less. I'm sorry. Chiefs, Chiefs at 38-26. The, the, the Bengals got that last touchdown rubbed out. Page. No, did you, no, did you have? I literally just. No, I didn't. Down. I didn't look. <laughs> I didn't look. I wrote down 38-27 for the record. Well, before, during, right after I wrote down, Bengals are frauds. Then I wrote down. I really didn't look. I really didn't look down. I think we all I just took to, a touchdown off the board in my head. I think head. everybody had the Chiefs to lose last week except Sam. Didn't Sam pick them? No, I, I, I picked you the Chiefs. Did, I knew one of us, some one did. Uh, but not, not a bad pick. You look pretty good in the fourth quarter well, after that comeback. You know, if, uh, you know, like uh, Andy and uh, – Bob pointed out they if they handled Gronk up until the last seven, they, they got <laughs> the last minute twenty seven twenty. Yeah, they had yeah. The, the minute down too. They could bring that up. Gosh, um, but did, did, Bob use, did Bob use the same time? Um, the time I, I I'm not sure if he did it in the in yeah. there, but I think he did it talking to somebody outside. So before he came in, yeah. so yeah, so that came up again. But Gronk, they got Gronked twice. Once to set up because it was once to set up a field goal that yeah. tied it, and then. Mm-hmm. Right. The game-winning field goal. Yeah. Right. Well, there's no Gronk this week. There's no Tyler Eifert. There's no Tyler Croft. They're down to, like, their third or fourth string yeah, tight end. Yeah, have some injury issues. Which the Chiefs must feel great about, so that's the good news. Uh, and on that note, we are going to get out of here. We will be back Sunday, very late night. If you stayed up to watch us in the wee hours of... <clears throat> <coughs> of Monday morning. I'm so choked up thinking about it. Yeah. I was just reminiscing about how great it was last Sunday. Uh, we'll be back again this Sunday uh, slash Monday morning very early, so stay up late to watch us then. And until then, you can follow all of us on Twitter and online at KansasCity.com. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at kansascity.com slash sportspass.
Welcome back to Sports Beat KC. I am Chiefs Beat Writer Brooke Pryor, and on the Skype Hotline, we have Catherine Terrell, who is the Bengals beat reporter for ESPN.com. Catherine, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not too bad. I feel like we're both coming off these like hangover weird losses. Um, both teams, you know, lost this weekend, now squaring up for a Another, another for the Chiefs, at least, uh, Sunday night football game, which means another week of not a lot of sleep. Um, looking forward to that. So, wanted to go ahead and, and get your thoughts on the Bengals coming into this matchup. Where do you get, what, what sense do you get of where this team is after that loss to the Steelers? Well, it was definitely a devastating loss. I don't think I've seen the players that upset in a long time. But the, the bigger issue here is that the Bengals are now down maybe three defensive starters one is a knee injury and is out for a month one has a concussion another has a shoulder injury I don't know the severity and after their defense struggled to contain the Steelers on that last drive (laughs) they're going to be in for another rude awakening by playing the Chiefs and I think they know that so of course they're going to be focused but I do know that last year when they played the Steelers was very emotional loss like this year but then the next week they went out and they laid egg, laid an egg against a bad Bears team. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. I just wonder if they have the personnel to actually be able to respond this week. Yeah, you mentioned those three injuries. It's uh, what Nick Vigil, linebacker Nick Vigil, cornerback Darquez Denard, and safety Sean Williams. Which one of those three is going to be the most impactful, especially in the short term? I definitely think it's going to be vigil, probably. Sean Williams has a pretty good backup in Clayton Fedulum. The one, he, he was the one that recovered that fumble, or forced and recovered the fumble against the Colts when Williams was ejected. And I think Fedulum is a fine player. And we also don't know that Williams won't pass protocol and play this week. Vigil definitely won't play, and it's a big loss. Vigil had come a long way in his second year, and the Bengals already have issues with stopping the run. So to lose a linebacker now is really bad timing. And also to lose Denard is pretty big too because they don't really have a good next man up at flat corner. So it's really, really just bad injuries and bad spots all around. And with the defense, you know, they couldn't get a stop in the final minute. Steelers come back to win. Obviously, that doesn't bode great going into a game against a high-powered offense like the Chiefs, but if you could identify one or two problem areas that seem to give them the biggest issue uh, last week and that could potentially pose the biggest issue going forward. Well, originally, their problem area was getting off the field on third down, and I actually thought for the most part they were able to do that against the Steelers. They had some nice, basically, goal-line stands. They basically contained them until the last minute and 18 seconds, but you had the sense in the stadium that the Steelers were going to score. Everyone knew it, especially with all those defensive players down. Really against the Steelers, um, a couple of things. I think, uh, one, they have trouble stopping the run. I think they didn't really stop Connor when they needed to. I think when they they weren't getting great pressure on Roethlisberger, or really any pressure on Roethlisberger all game, mostly went with a four-man rush. And then at the end of the game, that's when they decided to be aggressive and go cover zero and run an all-out blitz. And Roethlisberger, once he saw him lined up, knew exactly what they were doing. 
So really problems all around. And then when you look at that Chiefs matchup, there's just so many good players in so many areas. You're kind of wondering, well, I mean, <laughs> is Tony McRae going to be able to line up against some of these receivers? It's definitely a tall task. And you mentioned you know, they, they weren't able to get pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. Is that an anomaly or has that been a reoccurring issue that, that maybe the Chiefs can exploit this week? Really hit or miss. Their defensive line is supposed to be the strength of their defense. They have a very good defensive line. They've invested a lot of money in Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. I, I think Geno Atkins is one of the best defensive tackles in, in the game, really. He's, he's actually very underrated. So when those two are on, then I think the defense is playing well. And you have young players like Jordan Willis, Sam Hubbard, and Carl Lawson. But there's just some games it's almost as if they disappear. Now, I don't know what it is about Roethlisberger in particular that allowed them or allowed the Steelers to just kind of hold up against them. But I think that they should have a bounce back game. However, you just you never know. But really, as the Bengals defensive line goes, so goes the rest of the defense. So they're going to have to play much better this week than they did against Pittsburgh. It seems like you, know, you can't talk about the Bengals defense without mentioning uh, Vontae's perfect. He's just Seems to attract controversy, you know, week in and week out. How how has his season gone so far? Well, really not great. <laughs> um, he was suspended the first four games for PEDs. Uh, came back against Miami. I thought he played okay. I mean, it was his first game back. Then against the Steelers, there's just something about the Steelers that makes him act a certain way. And really, you kind of saw right away he was pushing and shoving when he didn't really need to. They just seem to get inside its head. Now, sometimes I will say Burfecht is over-scrutinized, and sometimes I'll say he brought it all upon himself. He really could face a fine or a suspension for that hit to Antonio Brown's head. Not really sure what's going to happen there. I think at minimum he's going to get fined. I just think he's a player that has to understand that he is going to be watched more closely than almost any other player in the entire league because of his past history. And it doesn't really seem to be something that has gotten through to him yet. So I think the Bengals kind of live on the edge with him, wondering if he's going to be available week to week. It's, it's, uh, it makes you wonder if he's worth it. But they signed him to an extension last year, and they believe in him as their starting weak side linebacker, and there's really no one else to turn to at that position. So they kind of have to live and die by whatever perfect decides to do that week. If he if he ends up being suspended this week, how does that change this defense and who would end up stepping up in his place? Well, then you go back to what you saw in the first month when he was out. I thought the Bengals did okay. Uh, they were 3 and 1 without him. But I think the linebackers did show some glaring weaknesses that have been shown all the way through training camp when you don't have perfect or when you don't have Preston Brown, who's their middle linebacker who was injured for a few games. They would either play Jordan Evans or Hardy Nickerson and Nickerson really struggled against the Dolphins, which is probably why when Nick Vigil went out, Nickerson almost saw no playing time. They instead went to veteran backup Vincent Ray, who's, really backed up all the linebacker positions, used to be Burfecht's main backup. I wasn't sure if he had kind of gotten replaced by younger players in that spot, but defensive coordinator Terrell Austin, or Terrell Austin said uh, his ankle injury in the preseason kind of limited him, so they didn't want to push him too hard. 
but I guess this was the point where they decided he was full go because he once Vigil got injured, he played basically the rest of the game. He's very capable. I think if, if Ray plays, they're, they're probably okay, but if the younger players play, you don't really know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And looking at the defense, who are one or two guys that Chiefs fans should watch, keep an eye on that could really impact this game? Definitely cornerback William Jackson. I think he's very talented. He's really starting to come into his own. I think he did a great job against Brown on Sunday, even though he's kind of working through a knee injury that said, I mean, that he said has still been bothering him, even though he did play. Um, It was actually kind of funny. We were talking to him the other day, and we were saying, you know, Tyreek Hill can, can fly. He goes, well, I can fly too. And, uh, we all kind of laugh because he's he's very confident. But he's I mean he's going to be their shutdown corner one day. The cornerback they pick on our team pick on is Drake or Patrick. So that's another name to know. Um, I think he did play pretty decently against the Steelers until that he had a late holding penalty that allowed them to convert on third and ten and eventually score at the end of the game. And then um, I'm really going through all the cornerbacks, but then the slot corner is unknown. So that's going to be the big deal. Uh, who plays slot corner? How much they pick on him? How they can exploit that? And I bet you the Chiefs are already looking into that now. But those are definitely a couple names. And, you know, of, of course, perfect. Perfect is always news no matter what he does. Mm-hmm. Well, and going over the other side of the ball, the Chiefs have really struggled to stop the run. Are the Bengals built in a way that can exploit that weakness at all? Or are they going to have to rely on something else? I think it depends. Their offensive line is one of those units that's kind of hit or miss depending on the game. They're not great, especially not on the on, especially on the right side. But sometimes they can be serviceable, and that's really all you need. The problem is they're at their best when they have their two running backs, Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, who can kind of be interchangeable. Well, Bernard has been hurt, and it doesn't really seem like he's coming back anytime soon. Of course, we'll know more soon when we actually see if he practices or not but he hasn't practiced in two weeks and what Bernard can do is be a big part of the passing game he's really good at the screen game he makes the Bengals less predictable I think when when he has when he's able to be in and they have both of them but you know Joe Mixon is also very talented they didn't play him as much as I thought they would against the Steelers and it might be because it's only the second game back off a knee surgery but Mixon also can be involved in the passing game, line up wide as a wide receiver. Very talented, and I think if they have to ride Mixon and they feel like his knee is up to the challenge, then they will. Mixon was a guy I covered Oklahoma before this. I, you know, he I watched him be one of the most dynamic and dominant uh, running backs in college football. Has he matched that or, or come anywhere close to replicating that with the Bengals? I think he's starting to get there. I think you can see it some games. I mean, there are just some games where he looks brilliant. I think last year the offensive line really held him back. And not only that, it was this weird thing where they didn't want to lose Jeremy Hill mentally, I think. He was the starter at the time. So they were giving him the start, but then Mixon would come in. And and that kind of went on all season until Hill got hurt and went on IR. But, you know, once – this year started, it was clear that it was Mixon's job and he was going to be the guy. He's had some good games. He had 95 yards and a touchdown against Colts. He scored against the Steelers. 
93 yards against the Dolphins. I think he just kind of, when he got hurt, maybe he flew under the radar a little bit, but he definitely has the talent to be that guy you saw in college. Well, and then looking at the at the tight ends, already missing Tyler Eifert, then Tyler Croft gets hurt. How much of a concern is that position right now? I think it's a, a big concern. I think um, they're kind of down to a bunch of nobodies at the <laughs> tight end position. You know, CJ Uzama has really stepped up. He's become their pass-catching tight end, but they miss Eifert, and I think their offense hasn't been the same since he went down against the Falcons. He was such a big red zone threat, and honestly, personally, game aside, a guy I really rooted for to really to have a good season and make it through the season because he's had so many injuries, and sometimes you just want to see guys do well, and so it was it was definitely hard to watch when he went down with yet another injury. But they had to sign tight end Matt Langle. They have Mason Shrek, but he doesn't play much. And Croft was a good blocking tight end. So it's kind of a mess. So at the beginning of the season, they got rid of fullback Ryan Hewitt, who was kind of an eight-back who could play tight end too. And they're probably missing him now as well. He's with the Colts. So it's kind of down to bare bones right now. But they'll, they'll figure it out. They have no choice. <laughs> well, and then looking at Andy Dalton, unlike the quarterback here in Kansas City that has all of the national attention is just you turn on you know ESPN, any of the ESPN or NFL Network channels, and if he isn't being talked about right then, his name's probably going to come up in the next segment. Um, unlike Patrick Mahomes, Andy Dalton seems like he's flying under the radar, is perennially flying under the radar. Um, but how, how has he looked this season? His numbers look pretty good. He's had some interceptions. Um, but what kind of season is Andy Dalton having? I really think he's having a very good season. A lot of those interceptions don't, the numbers don't tell the whole story. It's been a bunch of very weird interceptions, like tip passes or on one, the wide receiver stopped running his route because he thought the ball wasn't coming to him. Another one was a Hail Mary at the end of the Panthers game. I'm pretty sure three or four of them were off, were batted and tipped. So it, it's very weird. Uh, it When you see the pure number, you think, oh, he's not playing well. But I think he's having one of his best seasons in years. Against the Steelers was a little hit or miss. But the thing about Dalton now is when they need him to execute a game-winning touchdown drive, he can do it. He did it against the Pan- the Falcons, and he did it against the Steelers until the final minute. <laughs> he drove him down the field. He did that. He did what he needed to do, and the defense couldn't hold on. And when you're sitting there listening to fans say, "Did the offense score too fast?" which I always think is kind of a ridiculous argument, then you know your offense is doing its part. And he's going to have to do his part this week because he's going to have to outscore the Chiefs. Since I don't know if the defense can stop them, but yeah, you know, people don't like to talk about Dalton when he's doing well. I think he's not the most interesting person nationally. He doesn't really make waves. He never says much. He just kind of does his job, and, and that's that's about it. So my theory is that he's more interesting when he's struggling. People love to talk about bad Andy, but I think it's been mostly good Andy this year. Well, and who are some of his favorite targets? Um, I know Tyler Eifert is the guy that, that, when I think of Andy Dalton, Eifert's the next one up. But as we've already covered, he's not playing. Uh, so who who is uh, Andy Dalton looking for most often? Well, I've always referred to A.J. Green as a security blanket. The most talented receiver they have, 
probably the most talented player on the team. AJ is always going to be the first guy they go to, but he's also going to be the first guy double covered by the opposing team. So when that happens, they look to Tyler Boyd to pick up the underneath stuff. And I think Boyd has become so reliable over the past few months. Really, he's kind of he was their second round pick in 2015, I believe, and he's just come so far really since he caught that touchdown pass on fourth and 12 to beat the Ravens at the end of last season. And suddenly you look at him now, he doesn't drop passes. He picks up the third downs. So it's really AJ and then Tyler Boyd. Those are their two biggest targets right now. And we'll see what happens with John Ross when Ross comes back. Cause right now he's injured and not playing. Okay. Well, going into the season, when I saw the Bengals on the schedule, I, you know, looking at all the other matchups, I was not super fired up about this game. And then as the season has kind of progressed, clearly both teams picking up steam, have some momentum, although now they're both coming off losses. The game's important enough that it's flexed to Sunday night uh, last week, made that announcement. What are you expecting out of this matchup? Honestly, this has been a matchup I predicted as a Chiefs win ever since we had to do our preseason predictions months ago. And I still feel that way simply because the Bengals are beaten up. They have to play the Chiefs after they play the Steelers. It's a primetime game, which they haven't historically played well in. And I just don't think it's a great matchup for the Bengals. I think if somehow the Bengals offense can just score at will, Maybe we're talking about a different story, and, and maybe it'll be like the Patriots, a Chiefs game the other day, but I'm not quite sure their defense is prepared to stop the weapons the Chiefs have. I think it's just one of those games you kind of look at and you think, okay, just not a good matchup for them, which would have been fine if they had beat the Steelers, but since they didn't, then all of a sudden you're, they're kind of reeling and looking at maybe their first losing streak of the season. So to beat this team at night – prime time on the road the Bengals are gonna have to play the very best they've played all season I think yeah I agree with you completely and it seems like the Chiefs every game has been a shootout uh other than I think the 49ers game was a little um was lower score or the the Jacksonville game was lower scoring I'm getting them all mixed up um but do you have a score prediction um or yeah I think just, just, just do you have a score prediction for uh for Sunday I haven't made one yet, but off the top of my head, I would probably say like Chiefs 35, Bengals 23. Something around there is probably what I would say when I make my final prediction in a few days. Yeah, I think I'm, I was leaning somewhere between, I'm going to go Chiefs 38, uh, Bengals 27 just because I've seen this defense play and they do love to give the other team a whole bunch of points. So I'll give them a couple more. Um, (laughs) Catherine, until the game on Sunday, where can people who want to keep tabs on the Bengals follow your work? You can follow me at cat underscore Terrell or at ESPN.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and we will see you on Sunday. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to heading over there soon. Awesome. Well, and for everyone else who wants to follow our Chiefs coverage, you can keep tabs on me on Twitter and online at KansasCity.com.